Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal running the show solo today. Chris Schmidt still out uh, and he will be back on Wednesday. But for today and tomorrow, I will be running the show. Damon Barr will be back in with me tomorrow. But again, today I am alone in here feeling lonely. Uh, but remember, you can always tweet at me at Herbal Essences uh, if you got any questions for the show. As I don't have a producer in here with me today, uh, I'm not so sure about live phone calls. Give me a call during a break if you feel so compelled. Uh, you can do that 402 466 3776 or 1 800 825 5865. Uh, again, that first number, if you prefer letters instead of numbers, I know easier to remember, 402-466-ESPN. As I said, you can get connected with me on Twitter. That's at Herbal Essences, not spelled like the company. That is spelled like my last name, Herbal, H-E-R-B-E-L, and then Essences, Herbal Essences, all one word. That's how you connect with me on Twitter. You can also connect with Hale Varsity on Twitter, at Hale Varsity or you can find uh, the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page at ESPN Lincoln. That's where I'll be posting uh, our interviews for the day, as well as some SoundCloud links uh, for the best bits of today's show. Speaking of those interviews, we got a good day lined up for you. Uh, as it's the six-year anniversary, I guess six years in one day, yesterday was the six-year anniversary of, uh, I'd call it one of the most remembered fall starts uh, at least in my lifetime, and of Nebraska football. You still see it all over social media. It was Jake Cotton falling down against Michigan State that game in 2014. Uh, as It was a big game. The Huskers ended up losing after that furious fourth-quarter comeback. Came up just short, but the remembered play from the game was Jake Cotton just slowly falling backwards. Uh, and I'm actually really excited to say we're going to be talking with Jake today at 440 as we're going to get his thoughts on that play, uh, as well as just some thoughts about the uh, the Husker O-line going into 2020. Jake, a uh, couple-year starter at left guard. I'm excited to get his thoughts, but mostly uh, about the play. We, we've gotten his thoughts a few times uh, about the play briefly. Uh, we'll try to get a little more in-depth for you today. But also, coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to have former Hale Varsity producer Will Bauer joining the show. I know last week we had Colton Stone join the show for the Thursday edition, as well as he came into the studio for the Saturday edition. It was, uh, it was great getting caught up with... Colton, as he's now has been away from the show for almost a year now, and uh, Will Bauer left about the same time. Uh, that would have been last August, as uh, as I came in and uh, filled the job for him. But Will Bauer is going to be joining us. He's a writer now for the Omaha World Herald, uh, a staff writer up in their sports and news department. Excited to get caught up with Will uh, and just to see what he's been up to in the past year and uh, a little bit of the uh, the Wonderlick. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that at 425 if you're not sure what the Wonderlick is. Also coming up next hour, it's a Monday, so we're going to get caught up with Mr. Blackshirt himself, longtime Husker defensive coordinator Charlie McBride is going to be joining us. That's at the top of hour two. We're also... Uh, going to be talking with Hale Varsity recruiting insider Greg Smith at about 525 as the Huskers extended an offer to Norris tight end James Carnaday. This one uh, we've been waiting for. We weren't sure if it was coming or not. We were talked with uh, with Greg about this last week where he said he was unsure if it was coming. James Carney 
has uh, seemingly set a commitment date for a week from today. Is it too little, too late from the Huskers? We're going to talk with Greg about that at about 525. And to wrap up the show, we'll talk a little bit about the Monday Night Football doubleheader as the Chiefs will be taking on the uh, now Brian Hoyer-led Patriots at about 6.05 just after the show ends. Uh, this Obviously, as a result of Cam Newton uh, testing positive of COVID, they moved the, ga- uh, the game back one day, and we'll be playing on Monday Night Football. The second game tonight will be at about 7.50. That's when kickoff scheduled for. Uh, that's going to be here on ESPN Lincoln. If you're a local listener, uh, Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. As the Falcons are 0-3 now, the Green Bay Packers 3-0. But the Falcons, you would think, aren't as bad as their 0-3 record would indicate. Lost two straight games, blew huge leads in both of those games. Uh, I believe it's 25-point lead uh, against the Cowboys, and then they blew that lead once uh, Nick Foles came in against the Bears. Uh, we're going to be talking about that a little bit in hour two. But the first thing that I would like to get into today is not about football. I, I, uh, I, I have a, a, a strong feeling about this, that the NBA ratings are down. We all know it. Uh, I saw a stat from last week that Game 1 of the NBA Finals, their their viewership was down 44% from uh, Game 1 of the NBA Finals last year, and it was down almost 60% from Game 1 of the NBA Finals two years ago. And I I know there's the the whole social justice initiative that the NBA is taking. That's turned off some fans. I I don't want to get too much into that just because uh, it's my opinion that the players have the right to use their platform uh, to, to spread their message, to spread their voice, if they so choose to do that, uh, that is fully within their right. But it is also your right as the viewer at home. If you don't want to watch that, you can use your voice, your platform, say, I'm going to watch something else on TV. And uh, the NBA's viewership, and, and it, uh, that will suffer. And uh, as a result, the NBA's pocketbook will suffer. And, and I think that's a part of it. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like that hasn't turned people off to the NBA. Uh, but I will say that politics has been a part of sports for a long time. I, I think back uh, to the Olympics, back in the 1930s in Nazi Germany with Jesse Owens winning those four gold medals. That was a, a social justice stand of sorts. And then also the, uh, the Mexico City Olympics back in the 1960s where you had the, the two Olympic athletes put their fists up uh, for uh, racial equality at the time. We have Bill Russell who boycotted a, a preseason game at the time because he was not served uh, at a, uh, a diner, I believe it was, uh, down in Kentucky in the preseason. So Bill Russell sat out a game for that, made a social justice stand. Uh, back in the Obama years, I remember there was a couple members of the Boston Bruins who uh, refused to go to the White House because they felt that government was getting too big and interfering too much in the daily lives of American citizens. As I said, it's, politics has always been a part of sports. If you don't like what the NBA is doing right now, it is fully within your right to not turn it on. But I believe that the viewership problems of the NBA right now are more related to just how the game of basketball looks right now. There's no defense. It's all three-pointers. It's not the same physical game that I remember growing up. It's all things that I hear. And those are all valid criticisms. It's all true. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you on that. There is seemingly less defense. It's it's a less physical game. The NBA has made sure to legislate out some of the physicality of the NBA to promote scoring because uh, for years, as scoring went up, ratings went up. 
right now we're seeing more scoring than we've ever seen in the game of NBA, the game of basketball ever before. And, and why is that? It's because of analytics. NBA teams have realized that a three-point shot is worth more than a two-point shot. I know that sounds obvious. But NBA teams right now are shooting I mean, 10 more three-pointers per game on average than just 10 years ago. We're also getting 10 more possessions uh, per game right now for each team. So 20 more possessions throughout an entire game than we were just, again, 10 years ago. The NBA is fast-paced and it's high-scoring, and, and for years that drove ratings. And it's a result of this change of offense that has changed the, the defensive end of basketball, I'd argue, forever. 20 years ago, we didn't have NBA players pulling up off the dribble from 25, 30 feet away from the basket. Players like Damian Lillard, players like Steph Curry, players like Kevin Durant have all changed that. Now, NBA defenses are more stretched than they have ever been. Is there less defense nowadays? Yes, there is less defense nowadays, but it's not because NBA teams are putting less of a focus on defense. It's not because players growing up don't care about defense. It's because right now, at the moment, you have to pick up a ball handler in the NBA 35 feet from the basket. And rather than there being three guys within the three-point line ready to receive the ball, you have three, sometimes four guys outside the three-point line. And with the dangerous shooters that is in the NBA, just every, every single roster at any given time will have three guys on the floor who can shoot a three-pointer well. Whenever you can't go down and pack the paint, it's going to look like defense is suffering. It, it takes a long time for you to crash down from the three-point line and get down to the rim and contest a layup if somebody's been blown by. On top of that, if you do crash down, it then opens yourself up to drive and kick threes. Look at Fred Hoiberg's offense at Nebraska. It's made to be a drive and kick league. Or drive and kick offense, excuse me. The, the, the important shots in Fred Hoiberg's offense are layups and three-pointers. And that's analytics, again. It's called effective field goal percentage. That, that's what a lot of NBA teams care about, along with plus-minus, which is just how many points you add compared to how many points you lose on the defensive end. Those, those are the two important stats in basketball right now. If you don't know effective three-point percentage, it basically is just uh, a three-pointer is worth 150% shooting, if that makes sense, because you're adding one more point as opposed to the two points. You get three points, is effectively 150%. I'll get into some football in a second. But I'm just frustrated with seeing people bash the game of NBA now. Is it less fun? Sure. Less defense. But the NBA has proven over the past 50 years that when ratings go down, whenever the people at home don't like the product they're watching, they will adjust the rules. I'd love to see a one and one in the NBA. Every, every single shooting foul, I think, could be a one and one in the NBA. If you're in the NBA, you should be able to make two consecutive free throws. If you can't, I think you should be punished for it. And that would reduce this foul fest that we see in the NBA nowadays. Players are getting fouled because they know when they get fouled, it's much more likely that they're going to get those points. Sure, if you're a 40% three-point shooter, that's awesome. I mean, you'd be making over one-third of your three-pointers. But when you're a 90% free-throw shooter on top of that, it's a better bet for you to just draw the foul from the three-point line and get to the line. Maybe from the if someone gets fouled on a three-pointer, we go one and one and one. I'd love to see it. 
the NBA is going to start making rule changes. An interesting one that I like uh, on top of the one and one could be that they go for more the European style goaltending. Which uh, in, the, uh, in Europe, once the ball hits the rim, it is now fair play. I don't know. There, there's different options that the NBA could institute here. Uh, I'm going to get into football when we finish this for to finish this segment, but I, I'm just tired of seeing people just say, I'm not going to watch the NBA anymore. It's no fun to watch anymore. The game of basketball has changed and it has forever changed. If you don't like that, that's okay. But the NBA will create rules that will make it more watchable in the coming years. It will adapt. Be patient. Let's get into the NFL action from yesterday as we had a exciting day. The news just came down about 20 minutes ago that the Texans have fired uh, their coach Bill O'Brien after his 0-4 start to the season. They fell yesterday to the Vikings 31-23. This is a long time coming after uh, Bill O'Brien was uh, just mistaken. That's what I'll say. In trading DeAndre Hopkins this offseason, that has hurt their offense exponentially. Uh, as well as giving away first-round picks for uh, an offensive tackle who has been unimpressive so far this season. The the Texans have rightly fired Bill O'Brien, but that's not the exciting news I want to get into. I want to get into this Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate drama from yesterday. These two got into a fist fight at midfield after the game yesterday. During the game, Jalen Ramsey uh, had a, a big hit, we'll say that, on Golden Tate. But this goes back further than that, because this past spring... Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate's sister were dating. They already had one child together, and, uh, and they became pregnant with another child. And while Golden Tate's sister was pregnant, Jalen Ramsey ended things with her and began dating a new woman. There were hurt feelings from this. Uh, Golden Tate tweeted last season uh, that Jalen Ramsey was going to have to see him. So after the game, the two met at midfield. There's no video of the incident, but it sounds like they were on site. As soon as they saw each other, they began throwing punches. The The benches all came together at the end of the game, had to pull them apart. Afterwards, Jalen Ramsey even waited outside the Giants' locker room. Now, Golden Tate's no stranger to drama. I remember back his rookie year uh, in Seattle. It was uh, 3 a.m. just before training camp on a Saturday morning uh, when when Golden Tate went into a donut shop in Seattle and uh, was subsequently arrested and released. Uh, No charges were pressed because he wanted some donuts at 3 a.m. and went into this donut shop when they were closed attempting to get some donuts. I also remember Golden Tate back in college uh, jumping into the Michigan State band when Notre Dame was playing at Michigan State. That's a hilarious video if you haven't seen it before. I I recommend you go look it up. But Golden Tate's no stranger to drama. Jalen Ramsey uh, created this himself, though. He's in the wrong here. He had it coming. Golden Tate was fully within his right to go and start problems with Jalen Ramsey after the game because Jalen Ramsey started the problems in the first place. It's unlikely the NFL is going to pass down any suspensions because of this, but fines most likely will be coming. And I don't think Golden Tate cares. He was standing up for his family, making a point, that you don't mess with my family. I love it. I personally love it from Golden Tate to go and uh, and go rough up Jalen Ramsey a little bit after the game because what Jalen Ramsey did was clearly in the wrong. Can't get a girl pregnant with your second child with her 
and then just quickly dump her to the side and go date. If I remember correctly, I, I believe it was a, a an individual he met at a at a strip club while she was working. Could be mistaken on that. Don't want to don't want to pass along false information. But that's if my memory serves me correctly. So, I love it. Exciting day in the NFL yesterday. Got some more college football thoughts coming up after this as we get caught up with former Hale Varsity Radio producer Will Bauer. Looking forward to talking to him. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt. Chris will be back in on Wednesday. Uh, but right now, it's my show. We just hit on some NBA as well as a little bit of NFL. Excited now to welcome in a former host of Hale Varsity Radio. I caught up with Colton Stone last week. That was awesome as uh, we heard from Colton for the first time in a while. And now making his return to Hale Varsity Radio for the first time since last August. It's Will Bauer. Will, how are we doing today? Oh, we're doing great, Elijah. Good to hear your voice, and uh, I'm interested that you're, you're claiming it's your show. While, I mean, it, it while is your Chris show, is gone, but... While Chris is gone, I will say it's okay. my show. I, I will take okay. full credit for everything that is talked about in the show, and if people at home have a problem with it, they can come talk to me for the past week and for the next for today and tomorrow, it's my show. But I've been wondering, Will, while you've been away from the show, what have you been up to? You know, school, stuff like that. Um, graduating here in December. Um, you, I mean, we're both the same age, and I think you're going until May as far as I know. But, yeah, the school, and then I've been working for the Omaha World Herald ever since. Um, so, yeah, and that's been good. Just a nice little, like, internship, fellowship, whatever you want to call it. And so I've got experience in both the news and sports department it's been fun um learned a lot and yeah it's kept me busy talking with will bauer former producer of hail varsity radio you can connect with will on twitter at willie underscore bauer uh, you can also find his work in the omaha world herald at the moment and will as he just said will be graduating in december so if you're looking for a talented multi uh multi-talented former radio producer writer for the omaha world herald He's called games on 90.3 Care on You for uh, the Husker football team, the Husker basketball team. He can do it all. Uh, Will's graduating December. If, if, if you're looking for somebody like Will, get in contact with him. But, Will, I want to start it off with the NBA because I got into this a little bit of a rant last segment about how the NBA, uh, for some people, has become unwatchable. And I just want to get your take on that. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's probably a broad spectrum, and, you know, there's certain people who are nostalgic about it, and they're going to watch it no matter what because it's professional basketball. But for me, it's kind of something that I've lost interest in, and I don't know if there's a, a good reason. I've gotten busy with school and activities and stuff like that, and so I've prioritized the college football season and NFL, um, and I enjoy golf, and I try and keep an eye on baseball, even though I don't watch as much as I should. But the NBA is just kind of one of those things that it was never – it was never as good as college basketball, you know, like the competition's not there. And there's like a multitude of reasons. I mean, it's political for some people why they're not watching this year. Um, and that's kind of sad to see. But, like, I don't, I don't know if there's one thing in particular. The one thing that's always bothered me about the NBA is that it's just not – doesn't have that same intense feeling as college basketball, you know. It's not like everyone's grinding every single possession. They're playing really solid defense. You know, you can, you can actively watch and – see when Russell Westbrook or LeBron James or whomever is taking 
uh, a possession off playing defense or stuff like that because they're some of the best players in the world and they can do that. Um, and so I, that's probably one of the one of the reasons why I just haven't prioritized it as much. And it hasn't, I think, probably for I don't know, just entertainment sake, the parody in the NBA has been really bad because you know the Warriors were so dominant for a while. And sometimes it's good for television ratings, but I think sometimes people want to see different people win. So when LeBron James wins every single year because the Lakers are probably going to win this year, um, I don't think that's always great. I think people like to see new teams. Um, unless it's their team, of course, winning. But so I mean, it's it's a broad spectrum. I don't know if there's one particular thing, but that's kind of that's kind of why it's fallen to the the back burner for me. Well, well, I, I appreciate the insight. I don't want to spend too long on the NBA because uh, I know the listeners at home probably want to talk about some football, and, and I get that. It, we're in the middle of football season right now, uh, and for after having months of not knowing whether or not we're going to have football season, just awesome to watch. So, were you were you watching any NFL or college football this weekend? Oh yeah, of course. Had a little homework to do, but yeah, it's, um, I, I enjoy having it on the background, trying to watch when I can. Um, I enjoyed watching a little Bears and Colts, and then I got to probably watch the most of the Eagles in last night. So yeah, a little bit. Is there anything better than watching Oklahoma and Texas lose in the same weekend, especially when it's the weekend before the Red River Showdown? <laughs> I know for you, the diehard um, Nebraska fan and who's someone I think you can remember exactly where and when you were and your reaction to win the legendary 2009 oh, Big, no. tw- uh, Big 12 championship game. I don't want to make you cry here on radio, um, but, you know, for you, I think that that is fun. And I, I yes, it's always fun watching Oklahoma lose. I, um, I feel a little... I don't know, drawn to the K-State team because my, uh, my dad teaches at North Dakota State University and coach Chris Kleiman, second year at K-State. He was the coach at North Dakota State, so I watched him a little bit when I was growing up and stuff like that. So I, I, I thought it was really fun that K-State has beat Oklahoma two years in a row. And, you know, then again, it's back to parity. It's fun watching the, the teams that have been good for a long time, like Oklahoma have dominated the Big 12 Conference. It's fun watching them lose every now and then. It's, and it's, yeah, of course, as a Nebraska fan, you're going to always love it when Texas isn't winning football games. It's, it's funny you should mention the uh, the 2009 Big 12 championship game because I do remember uh, exactly where I was and what I was doing when that happened. I was in the basement of my uh, my parents' home. I was a little little ten year old, and uh, so, some tears were shed. I, I will say that some tears were shed by ten year old Elijah Herbal following Nebraska's loss to uh, to Texas in that game. Um, but I have matured. I've gotten older, I've gotten smarter, and I don't think I would cry over a a football game now. Uh, But speaking of that, Will, we we were talking last night about the Wonderlick. Speaking of just getting older, getting smarter. And uh, the Wonderlick, if you don't know, it's a score, or it's a test, 50 questions, about 13 minutes long. And it's used to determine, uh, essentially, uh, problem solving, decision making, how quickly you can do all that stuff. Well, I know you took this test actually back in high school. You want to tell us a little bit about the Wonderlick test? Yeah, so it's kind of just like a fun little test, and I feel like we always see the the quarterback scores for the NFL com- Combine. This is something that they do. I don't know if it's part of the Combine process or something they just do before, but you always like see, like, what are the quarterback scores? And, like, I remember someone making fun of Jameis Winston for his score or something like that, and he actually, I don't think, had a terrible score. But I took it in high school. So it's at, a, it's at a 50, and you just, like, take it for 12 minutes or whatever, and you'd score out a 50. I got a 43 then. Took it again last night, and I think you did too. Not like a 30 last night, and I was like, oh, darn, I'm getting dumber. So I took it again today and got a 38. Yeah. But, no, go for it. I was going to say, yeah, not to brag, Will, but uh, sitting at the bar, I got a 37. 
So you win some, you lose some. You mostly <laughs> lose some. Now, Will, if you had to guess, what one of the biggest flops quarterback wise in recent memory in the NFL is Vince Young. Do you know what score he got on the Wonderlick? Ooh, I'm gonna guess. Oh, okay, darn it! I have it pulled up right in front of me. Shoot, I ruined it. <laughs> oh, well, for the people listening at home, Vince Young got a six on the Wonderlick test, and it's it's used so often with quarterbacks because quarterbacks are the ones who have to sit back in the pocket. Uh, and, and quickly make decisions, read an NFL defense, and, and make the throw. So that's why it's important for uh, NFL quarterbacks because on this test, you have to quickly sift through the information, uh, make a decision, move on to the next question. Uh, on the other hand, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, Harvard graduate, has made a very nice NFL career for himself, Fitzmagic. Uh, he scored a 48, which is one of the highest in NFL history. Only one known uh, perfect score in NFL Wonderlic history, and that was from a punter, and who cares about punters? Um, wow, no respect. I mean, Pat McAfee, I guess. Pat McAfee's about the only, only punter I care for. Fair enough. Another interesting thing about this combine, I don't know, um, I was just, and I guess this is Wikipedia, so take it as, as you <laughs> maybe with a grain of salt or whatever, but the highest score by position actually comes from offensive tackles, and then and they average a 26, by the way, and centers average 25. Quarterbacks average 24. That's kind of cool. As a former High school left tackle and center. I can only say that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I mean, I we we've heard time and time again that the center are the smartest people, but who knows? It's the left tackle, I guess. Well, before we let you go, is it good getting your insight in the Wonderlic test? Just because I feel like it's a it's a test that you hear a lot about. You don't really know what it's all about. Uh, you can go take the Wonderlic yourself at home if you so choose, uh, just to see what all the hype's about. Uh, it only takes you less than 15 minutes. Uh, it was just fun to do that last night. I'm glad to get uh, your thoughts on that, Will. Uh, but before we let you go, Monday Night Football tonight, it's a doubleheader, which I think is awesome. You got the Chiefs and the Packers, or sorry, the Chiefs and the Patriots in Game 1, Patriots and the Falcons in Game 2. Uh, and, Will, I, I know being from, uh, from Minnesota, you're the pride of Holly, Minnesota. You, you probably follow the Packers somewhat closely, right? A little bit. Um, I mean, I would I would casually claim the Vikings as my team. So, yeah, you, you pay attention to what the Packers are doing. So, both teams, or two teams tonight, I guess, are coming into this at 3-0. Chiefs and the Packers. And between those teams, one's in the NFC, one's in the AFC, do you think that is a likely Super Bowl matchup come February? I think it's definitely possible. Both these teams have gotten a lot better. I've really, um, like, just from the Packers standpoint... Uh, LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have really, really clicked, and I was kind of surprised at that because I think from what we had heard and what we had read about the relationship between um, Rodgers and, um, shoot, I'm blanking on the old coach's name, McCarthy, and, you know, they just didn't quite get along, and Rodgers would kind of want to do his thing. So I'm, I'm generally surprised they're clicking as well as they have, and the Packers have done a good job investing in offensive linemen to protect him. And, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they have the steal of the draft for the next five years. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been absolutely perfect for them. Um, and as long as the defense can stay healthy, both these teams are good. And, yes, I think you're – it's very likely. It's a little too soon for me to say. But, um, yeah, Chiefs-Packers, it's definitely definitely up there. Right, before, before we let you go, Will, got about a minute left here. I'm going to need your predictions for tonight's games. First, the Patriots and the Chiefs, and follow that up with your prediction for – Packers and Falcons. Got no Cam Newton, right? And so, I mean, it would be 
a shot in the dark kind of that the Patriots won this game. So I'll take Chiefs, and then I think the Packers are probably the better team. And the Falcons have been the absolute kings of blowing football games this year. So until they turn it around, which, you know, who knows, maybe it's tonight. But if I was a betting man, I'm no Danny Burke. Um, but I would be choosing the Packers and the Chiefs tonight. Before we let you go, Will, what are your plans as we await Husker football game one? Do you, do you have any big plans before we get into the Husker football season, or are you just eagerly counting down the days until uh, Nebraska's out in Columbus? I'm, I'm eagerly counting down the days. I don't know if I have anything in the, in the works. Just uh, keep listening and keep reporting on what's happening with the football team. Nothing too special. It'll be, it'll be good to watch some Husker football again. I'm excited for it. All right, well, it was good to get caught up. Reminder, you can find Will on Twitter at Willie underscore Bauer. He's currently writing for the Omaha World Herald, graduating in December. If you're looking for somebody like Will Bauer, get in contact with him, get in contact with me. I'll get you over to Will. Will's a great dude. That's that's my two-second pitch for Will. Will, enjoy the rest of your evening. Enjoy watching some Monday Night Football tonight, maybe. And uh, just good luck with all your endeavors before you graduate, all right? Will do. Thanks, Elijah. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you, you, Will. Good getting caught up with Will Bauer, former producer of Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, haven't talked to Will in a while. It's been since August since you guys have heard him on the show, so it's just nice to hear his voice again. Coming up after the break, we're going to get caught up with former Husker left guard Jake Cotton, famous for one of the most remembered fall starts in Nebraska football history. That's coming up next on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rolling through a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt, as Chris is out until Wednesday. Condolences are with him as he laid his father to rest today. Uh, just, that's awful news to hear about, and uh, my thoughts are with Chris and his family uh, right now. But... We still got to get going with the show, uh, and we're excited now to welcome in uh, a Husker legend now, I'd say, especially on a day like today. It's the six-year anniversary of one of the most infamous Husker offensive line gaffes, I guess I could say. I don't want to offend you here, Jake, uh, but we're welcoming Jake Cotton, former left guard, and, and Jake, six years on from this play where you, you had a just unfortunate false start against Michigan State, it, it almost seems like that play has, in a way, overshadowed uh, the result of that that result against a very good Michigan State team. But just quickly, I, I want you to take me through what happened on that play. And uh, as just a quick little follow-up, did you expect that we'd still be talking about this play six years down the road? No, I'm confused. I thought we were going to talk about restaurants in Lincoln. I, I led you so astray there. I knew I had to get you on for the show today somehow, some way. And I, I couldn't let this let this go without being mentioned. I mean, it happened six years ago today or yesterday. Wow, I feel betrayed, and I feel <laughs> wow. Just, uh, wow, what? yeah. No lead-in, no music, no nothing. If, just... if it makes you feel better, I have put the commentary of your play over one shining moment. Would you like All to right, hear let's that? Lead with that. Let's lead with that.
Now, it wasn't the best quality audio there. It's, it's tough to get those two things lined up with the crowd noise, Jake, but I did my best for you. You want to talk about it? You want to talk about a gaff? Oof. <sighs> that was, ugh. I, you know, this, I wonder if we're going to be talking about this six years from now. Well, that, that was what I asked you is, is did you think when um, it happened? I don't think this is going to be talked about six years from now. No, but, <laughs> neither do I. Um, if it is, then something seriously happened in the world. Um, no, did we? Did I think something was going to happen? Um, you know, I'm just glad there's this guy in Canada who was singing the national anthem and he was ice skating, um, and he skated right over the like carpet that was out on the ice for the first for like the, the puck drop. And if it were not from him, I would have had to sit in the uh, student life cafeteria. Uh, there in West Stadium every Friday before games for the rest of the season and have to see me, um, <laughs> my play, uh, reoccur on the not top 10. I finished number two. Um, probably the only time I was happy to finish second in my entire life was um, in the not top 10. But I will say this, of all college football players in 2014, to my knowledge, I'm the only person to be featured on NFL Live. That is a fun fact because you were on uh, Come On Man, were you not? I was. So Mike Ditka threw me a shout out. My my guy here in Chicago and um, the rest is history, man. I got my uh, I got a big star on uh, on Hollywood Drive too. So things are things are looking up. I I don't believe that last one at all. Actually, no. <laughs> no I wish I got residuals from uh, uh, from the gifts on on Twitter. Um, that would be nice, but. Uh, um, no residuals there. The worst was in 2015. I was one year out of college. And I was waking up. I think it was a Monday, just like today, and it was the one year anniversary. I wake up to go to like it was my first job out of college, and I wake up, kind of walking into work. And I get on Twitter, and and the World Herald tweets literally at me. They just tagged me, and it was like the big red, <laughs> whatever, no free press, but um, whatever their thing is called, they go, one year re- remembering uh, uh, Jake Cotton here. So, uh, no, it's been it's been fun. It's I, I, I really wish I could have found a way to monetize this, but uh, it hasn't worked out yet. Now, if this would have happened in 2021, whenever uh, Husker athletes can profit off their name and likeness, maybe you would have made some money. Would that, would that, have, would that have eased the burn? <laughs> That would have eased the burn, yeah. If I was getting like free runzas or something like that, that'd be, uh, that'd be, yeah, that would work out for me. Like maybe do a, a special down there on Seventeenth uh, uh, and uh, and P uh, over at the bar, of the bar. That would have been great. <laughs> uh, last thought before we we talk a little Husker football uh, in the offense line in twenty twenty, and, and that's when it happened. I know you're a guy who can kind of laugh at yourself. Did it? Did it make you feel bad to be featured everywhere? Or was it just kind of cool to see yourself on ESPN, on Come On Man, in all these places? Not cool. Um, I can <laughs> say that. Uh, but it did provide some levity once we got back to the plane. That was the game I think we lost to Michigan State by uh, maybe maybe like four or five points at the very end. Um, very kind of somber uh, locker room and, and flight home, but right when we were getting on the plane, um, sitting with Kenny and Amir and, and, and Jay Mitch and some of these guys, and then you get on Twitter and stuff after the game, and lo and behold, they have it set to like Kesha and uh, the Timber song that was out at the time, and all these things. And so we got some good laughs out of it, and uh, um, no, I don't mind. 
Well, I'm, I'm glad you can laugh about it now, Jake. I'm just shocked that it's been six years <laughs> since that play. It feels yeah. like time's flown. Um, a lot of, old yet? Yeah. yeah a, a lot of forgettable Nebraska football years in there. Uh, weird to think 2014 was probably one of the last good Husker football seasons. Last, that was a great memory, honestly. You, you, you fried me with just a great memory, so I thank you forever for that. Um, and maybe I'll give you a call on October 4th every single year. But before yeah. I let you go, we got about two minutes left here. A Husker offensive line in 2020 is returning all five starters. What does it say to you that it's not going to be all five starters who are going to be taking the field come week one against Ohio State? Are you expecting a vast improvement from the offensive line this year? You know, I, I am probably the wrong guy to ask. I, I'm, I'm out of the loop, but um, five five starters returning, that's great to hear. Um, I know myself and, and all, all the guys I play with, we're just so happy to um, – see these guys work hard and, and compete so um hope hope the best for them um i will say this though i don't know what they're working with from a coach standpoint on the offensive line um, people tend to like greg austin sure i tend to doubt his football intuition um, if you most people don't know this but he was actually the scout for the eagles who ran the pro day in 2015 the spring um and I'll, I think everyone knows I didn't get drafted by the Eagles. So um, <laughs> how, like, how good is their instruction really um, if he missed out on a once-in-a-generation talent like myself? That is where I would uh, find concern with this group. Jake, do you, do you think that the, the mistake against Michigan State kept you off a lot of coaches' draft boards? Ooh. Which Mitch, which mistake against Michigan State are we speaking of? There's um, probably there's probably more than that. Just that one play that uh, um, kept me off most draft boards. Um, we'll say it was just that one play that kept you off draft boards. Yeah. I think you had an, an immaculate game aside from that. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm sure I'm sure you remember it well. <laughs> oh, just so well. I think I was like 15 years old, and that was you know. You know, just one of the, the best Husker games I ever watched in my life. So that was a formative, like, experience for you then. It was. It proved to me that I should never do that live in a game myself. So thank you for that. Oh, I thought you were going to say never meet your heroes. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you now. Um, <laughs> so I'm talking to my heroes as, as I got to grow up watching that. Jake, I appreciate yeah. you taking 10 minutes out of your day to talk to us, to remember this. And, and I'm glad you can look back on that uh, and laugh. So. Yeah, thanks, Schmidt. Er, thanks, man. And Schmitty, we love you. I had no idea until Elijah just said that. We love you. Um, you're in our thoughts and our prayers, man. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Elijah. We'll get caught yep. up sometime, right? Adios. It's time for some straight talk. You know where the full court press is in basketball, right? Full defensive coverage with no holes. Well, and now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. It's a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We're getting close to wrapping up the first hour. Uh, and it was a fun first hour as we just got caught up with former Husker left guard Jake Cotton. Uh, Jake remembered back to uh, six years ago as Nebraska traveled out uh, to East Lansing taking on Michigan State. And a play that I'm sure he'll never forget, a player that uh, most Husker fans will never forget when he uh, tumbled over onto his ass and... Uh, and uh, went down in gifts and uh, Husker folklore forever. Good to get caught up with Jake on that. Good to see he can uh, laugh about that a little bit still. And uh, no hard feelings. Jake's always been a guy who can laugh at himself. So always good to get caught up with Jake. Also got caught up with Will Bauer, former producer of Hale Varsity Radio. That was at 425. Just a reminder, that 
both of those segments as well as our interviews coming up in hour two will be available on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page as well as ESPNLincoln.com. The full podcast will be posted on Apple Podcasts as well as HaleVarsity.com. And again, you can find that on ESPNLincoln.com as well. Before we get out of here this hour, just some quick news to pass along to you. Uh, this was first reported by John Rothstein, Ro- John Rothstein, excuse me, uh, and confirmed by Trey McGowan's himself. Trey McGowan's has received his waiver, and he will be able to play for the Husker basketball team immediately this season. Previously, uh, Trey McGowan's was playing at Pitt, and uh, he made clear his intentions to transfer last season. Picked the Huskers. Uh, he's a two-year starter at Pitt, where he averaged almost 12 points per game, another three rebounds a game, and almost three assists per game. The thought whenever McGowan's committed to Nebraska, uh, was that they'd be playing him. uh, The Western Illinois transfer, we talked about Kobe Webster uh, a little bit last week, uh, that him and Kobe Webster would be playing together, and most likely also next to 6'8", Delano Banton running the point. Uh, We talked with Jacob Padilla last week about those two, uh, Kobe Webster and Delano Banton, as well as Teddy Allen. Going to try to get him tracked down for tomorrow to get his thoughts on Trey McGowan's, as this is a big get for the Huskers. Huskers had some awful luck last year with NCAA waivers, and I think it very clearly uh, hurt them as they progressed through last season. Trey McGowan's, though, will be instantly available, and uh, I expect that he'll be starting uh, come the Huskers' non-conference tournament at the end of November and through non-conference play. That's a big, big get for the Huskers to get that waiver for Trey McGowan's. Before we let you go this hour, i got to remind you, Uh, uh, that there are 1,500 crashes every single year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable, and law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before any more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. And if you have been drinking, make sure you designate a sober driver or get a ride home. Remember, you got to get a ride because a DUI costs more than that ride, and it definitely costs more than you think. This is a message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Still a lot to get to in this Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We're through hour one, but we still have Charlie McBride coming up after the break. Mr. Blackshirt himself excited to get his thoughts on this weekend in uh, NFL and college football, as well as uh, getting close to week one against Ohio State. Uh, Just get some fall camp thoughts from him. Also excited to get caught up with Hale Varsity recruiting insider Greg Smith. Uh, James Carney, the tight end at Norris, just got a Husker offer today. Got to ask Greg what that means for the Huskers and what the Huskers' chances are with James Carney again. Charlie McBride and Greg Smith coming up next hour. Follow it up with a little Monday night football preview. That's all coming up next hour. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt today. Chris, 
will be back on Wednesday. Had a good first hour as we got caught up with former Husker offensive lineman Jake Cotton and former Hale Varsity Radio producer Will Bauer. Uh, all that was awesome, but I got an even better second hour planned for you. Greg Smith coming up here in about 20 minutes to talk a little Husker recruiting as James Carney, the tight end out of Norris, got an offer from the Huskers today. But right now, I'm excited to welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself. It's another edition of Blackshirt Mondays with Charlie McBride. Uh, Coach... Good to get caught up with you. Uh, I just got to ask. It's a weekly question for me. It feels like, how's the weather up there this weekend? Good. <laughs> no wind. Sun's out. Couldn't. It's pretty warm. But uh, it'll get better. You know, it'll be before you know. We'll have frost on the pumpkin. <laughs> yes, it's just starting to feel like fall. I, I woke up this morning and I had a hoodie and pants on, and by by eleven o'clock, I was way too warm for a hoodie and pants. It got up like almost eighty degrees, I think. Well, I'll tell you what, we get whatever you got because we're about we're about parallel with you. So when, unless it goes north or something, we're going to get it. So you can almost tell what it's going to be like here in Lower Michigan when you. You know, when it when in in Lincoln in a couple of days, it takes about two days, and that's it. Well, always good to hear that you had good weather up there this weekend, Charlie. Um, but there was also some good football on the television this weekend. Did you get a chance to catch any of the college football or NFL action this weekend? Well, I do. I I watch some. I you know, there's so many different games on. I keep switching around. I don't know what the heck I'm watching half the time, but. Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to get to the you know most of it, and then I look at the course, look at the highlights afterwards, and you can see a lot of the stuff that I missed. Well, what I saw this weekend, which really just made my heart happy, was a loss from Texas to an unranked team, and a loss from Oklahoma to an unranked team. Did you get a chance to watch either of those yeah, games? I did. I did. I watched. Yeah, I did. I, I and and you know, the Oklahoma Kansas State game. You know that's that's one of those games. Like I, I just kind of our games with Iowa State was about the same thing. You didn't know where you were gonna, how you were gonna come out of that one. And that Oklahoma's had trouble with Kansas State in past years, if you remember. And uh, you know, so it's been, it, you know, it's been something that, uh, you know, it's been it's been a, you know, an up and down deal. But Oklahoma, of course, has probably got the hands up, but. You know, they, Kansas State's always been a problem, and um, I know that it's you know breaks my heart to see Texas you know get beat. I mean, you know that really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlie, the interesting stat on the Oklahoma game is that that was the first time Iowa State's obviously been better in recent years, but that was the first time since 1960 that Iowa State has beat Oklahoma at home. It's been a long time coming, and uh, just awesome for the Cyclones to get that win. But one of the things I noticed is something that we talked about, or I talked about, uh, a lot on the show that last week, because it's a theme that the Huskers have struggled with in recent years, too, and that's missed tackles. It felt like Iowa State reeled off three or four big plays in that game where Oklahoma had the guy bottled up, and then he broke a tackle and went 40 yards. So did did you 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 notice that? Any 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 high school, college, you know, pro game, Turnovers are, are are probably the biggest factor in winning and losing a football game. And if you don't, no matter who you are, if you're not hanging on to the ball or you're turning quarterbacks throwing interceptions or, you know, even tip balls that pass, pass receivers tip or things like that, 
you know, they can really hurt, and uh, and it's it's a shame, but that's that's just the way the game goes because you know you always say, well, uh, we hope the ball bounces right, and and that's that's kind of what people are saying. And might as well just say, I hope we get the turn lead the turnovers because we got a chance to win then. I know in the big game against Oklahoma, well, way back in 78, you know, that was Oklahoma's problem. They were, I think, number one in the country, and we beat them at Lincoln, but I think they fumbled like six times. Well, Charlie, it, it seemed like in the past few years that Oklahoma's defense hasn't always been great, but their offense has done enough that they'll get the win, they'll run the table, they'll get a shot in the college football playoff. Well, this year that hasn't been the case. Their defense has been the same Oklahoma defense we've seen in the past couple of years, but their offense has not been the same. So as a defensive-minded coach, does this just again underline the importance of the, the adage that defense wins championships? Well, defense has got you, but if you don't have it, it's you're not going to win one, that's for sure. I mean, you know, I suppose that... That came out of somebody's mouth, and they probably won on defense. The old, the old days when Georgia had uh, junkyard dogs and things like that. And um, I know that one year, I, when I was in the Big Ten at Wisconsin, I know Michigan allowed three points a game. That's all they allowed. That's how good they were. Mm. And uh, so, you, you know, they, that's, that's, that's a factor. It, it is a big-time factor because it makes – can make the whole difference in it. Also, is a, is a, a thing if you're behind the defense, has got to be the one to come up with the plays, the big plays to get the ball back for the offense. And you know, of course, that's the responsibility of the defense. That's that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, you know that, and and that's always been part of it. Now, if you don't, I I remember I, there's times when I thought that our offense was our best defense. And the reason I say that is because as they they could keep the ball on the field. Uh, I I looked up the clock a couple of times and during games and the first, we'd kick he'd kick off to us and we'd have the ball for eight minutes or so eight nine minutes of the first quarter, and then if we could get them three and out, they only they don't hardly have the ball. So um, you know the offense can make a big difference with their running game and. And if you're not good on defense, the offense can sometimes cover for you, you know, a little bit by keeping the ball um, and and doing a little bit different things, you know, with their offense. If they're the dominant team, usually, if they're not, you're scrambling to get us get points. But you know, if you're you know you have a good team and everything, I think the offense can be you know your best defense at times. All right, well, Charlie, the other game I asked you about was that Texas game. And uh, I don't want to get too much in the Texas game, but I want to more get into the Oklahoma and Texas matchup next week. It's the Red River Showdown, which is just is so classic. And now we're seeing a Red River Showdown where Oklahoma's outside the top 25. I don't think Texas deserves to be inside the top 25, even though they are. And that doesn't happen very often. So my question to you is, as a Husker fan in Lincoln, it's a problem I have every single year. A, who are you rooting for, and B, who should I root for in the game next weekend? Well, I know the coaches at Oklahoma, or at least at the time that I was coaching, and I, I know all the older guys, you know, and I still kind of, I was for them, you know. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know a whole lot about Texas. I think Darrell Royal was a coach down there at one time when we were playing, and you know, and and of course they're they're, you know, that's way back when, and. Um, 
you know, but it's always, I think I've always favored Oklahoma, and even in bowl games, I, you know, I always favor the, the team that's in the conference. I, you know, I think that that's important. I think, it, you know, that you do that, and sometimes it's Oklahoma and, and so on. And so, uh, but I can say that I, I have personally known a lot of the coaches, so, uh, from 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 Oklahoma and I've been friends with them and um, played golf in the coaches tournaments with 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 them and stuff like that. So you know I kind of favor them. I think you know when they when they play definitely when they play Texas. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting the feel that uh, that you wouldn't root for Texas under any circumstances. No. <laughs> well, I can't say that. I, I no. I just, you know, we they they've been, um, you know, uh, they've been a great program. All they've never not been a great program. I don't think they they have a good following, and and that's the important thing. I want to shift gears a little bit and go SEC. This one kind of relates back to Nebraska, though, and that's that with a win this weekend over Texas A and M, Nick Saban has now tied for the wins. Uh, the, the most wins by 20-plus points against a top-15 opponent, and he's tied with Tom Osborne. They're both sitting at 20 wins. So can you talk a little bit about that accomplishment? And, I mean, 20 or yeah, twenty wins by 20 points over top-15 opponents. I mean, that just sounds incredibly difficult to do. Well, I, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes these, 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 all these records come up you know, come up down. I've been gone a long time, and you don't even know what's going on when you're any of these records until you're done coaching and you have time time to pay attention to them. You know, and and some of the things have been pretty amazing about what you know what's what Tom's done and what we've done in in, in that program. And you know, over the years, you know, you don't when you're when you're coaching, you, you're worried about the next game and the next game and. And then you get into recruiting, and you, a lot of things just go, you know, in one side and out the other. And um, so you don't, you know, you know, you don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. Um, you're just scrambling, trying to do the best you can to get another good team on the on the field and in recruiting. And when you're playing, of course, it's a week to week thing. You you enjoy the game, you enjoy the win for what a couple hours after the game and then it's the next one so you know it's it's a hard thing to do you know and uh, then then when you get done i bet tom doesn't know half of that half of those things i mean he uh, he never did pay much attention to any of that and, hmm. uh but you know it is it's it's great when you're you know now when you're done coaching and you you see that there was so much success you know, when you were, when you were part of the program, it's you know it, it makes you feel good. All right, coach. I'm looking up at the clock. You really got about three, four minutes left, and time with you always just flies. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Uh, but the last thought I have is an NFL thought, kind of. But it's going to get into some of your some of your memories as a coach uh, because the Texans have fired their head coach Bill O'Brien, and Texans fans yeah. are already clamoring for Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. He's well known to Husker fans around here, A, because he was just, just leading an incredible offense for the Kansas City Chiefs, but B, he was a running back at Colorado back in the day, back before me. So do you have any memories of Eric Bieniemy's time at Colorado? Yeah. 
he, he was he was he was a great back. I mean, he he was one of the backs that I will remember. You know, I think you know you go back and look at the quarterbacks at Oklahoma. You look at you know um, Eric Bieniemy, who who just was a guy that you couldn't. I mean, he's going to get yards every time he gets the ball. Great, tough, hard nosed kid, and um, you know it was. You know, it's hard. It's hard to say anything bad about him because I I know him a little bit as a person, and he's a really a fine fine kid, and he. You know he's he's worked hard at everything he's done all his life that I know him, and uh, you know so and to see guys get fired in the middle of the season I you know with with all the things that have happened this year uh, you know with the, with the virus and everything else you know to to fire a guy and there's so many things that you know that everybody's had to go through I don't know that that makes me feel very good about you know the the kind of ownership down there, it just, uh, you know, doesn't feel right. But that's the way the NFL goes. The NFL stands for not for long. So mm-hmm. maybe that's they're just keeping up their tradition. <laughs> keeping up their tradition. But the follow-up to this is that Eric Bieniemy to me, reminds me of the type of running back and playmaker that Nebraska wants now. A little bit undersized, uh, at times kind of like a, a Wandale Robinson, but mm-hmm. fast, isn't afraid of contacting, and can make you miss. So as a defensive oh. coordinator, how, does, how, how difficult is that to prepare for, and how do you prepare your defense for a guy like Eric Bieniemy or in modern day looking at Nebraska, a guy like Wandale Robinson? Well, it's a challenge, and I mean, you know, I think – you know, I think Wondell, he was he's he's quicker than Eric was. Eric would, you know, if he got a chance to take a whack at you, he'd do that. Uh, and Wondell, he's tough, but he, he, you know, he's got such great quickness and lateral movement and balance. Um, you know, I'd I'd say that you know probably a little faster than even Eric was. But Eric had everything that came from his heart too. You know, and that's that's how he got to be as good as he was. Uh, that those are two different, you know. In some ways, the you know Eric was a more of a uh, cannon. You know, he was a mm-hmm. fire hydrant running fast. <laughs> you know, and um, and and had a lot of you know had had a lot of lot of power. And it was he was stronger than a lot of people thought he was. And you know, he could find cracks. And you know, Wondell, you're going to find out the same things about him. I don't know that he's got. You know, you know that strength right now that Eric had, you know, when he was running. But um, you know, to, you know, down Kansas City when you win a Super Bowl and people are screaming sometimes that yeah, you know, I I've been there. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you win and people are still yelling that you're not calling the right thing or doing the right thing, sometimes people get worked up. But as far as his playing ability, you just don't want to play him every Saturday. Well, Coach, it was great getting caught up with you today. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to join Hale Varsity Radio. That's always awesome. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll get caught up next week, all right? Okay, okay. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you later. Yep, talk to you later. Okay, bye now. See ya. Uh, Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt himself, joining us for another edition of Blackshirt Mondays with Coach Charlie McBride. Coming up after the break, it's time for some recruiting recon. As we get caught up with Greg Smith, he's going to tell us a little bit about the Nebraska offer that was extended to James Carney today and uh, where Nebraska stands in his recruitment. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now... 
And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. It's a Monday edition of Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt. You just heard another Black Shirt Monday with Coach Charlie McBride. Again, that will be posted on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page shortly following the show. Excited now to get caught up with recruiting insider for Hale Varsity Magazine, Greg Smith. Is Greg, we've got some news to talk today as the Huskers have, seems like finally, extended an offer to Norris tight end James Carney. That's what I want to lead off with. Are you surprised that it took this long? And, uh, and where are the Huskers at in this recruitment for James? Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that it took this long. I think that we've all kind of understood at this point that it was um, a numbers game for Carney and, and how it related to his Nebraska offer. Um, it, it's been tough because it, it, it's tough because you don't want to ever feel like you're kind of slow playing or not going to offer a local talent um, that's getting other Power Five looks that, that had stated previously at least that he wanted to be a part of the recruiting class. Um, and so it's always a tough look. But he basically made it to where uh, Nebraska had to offer him because he's been playing very well um, to start his senior season. And, and to be honest, this, this whole thing kind of started during his offseason uh, when he put in a lot of work to make himself a better football player. I mean, he last year ran a 5-1 40-yard dash and is now running a 4-6, uh, which is what he ran verified time at the Warren Academy Showcase, which was actually a touch faster than what Thomas Madoni ran at the same event. Um, he's put on over 30 pounds of weight since that last offseason as well, so he's a little bit of a late bloomer, but also a kid that's really worked his tail off and put himself in this position. Um, and it's a great day for him and his family to be able to pick up the offer from Nebraska. Now, do you think Nebraska still stands a chance in this one? It is a late offer, and the thought is uh, that James Carney is going to be committing next week, I believe. Uh, so it is late from Nebraska, but is it too little too late? So he is. So he James has made he made an announcement that he'll be announcing his decision on the twelfth. So is that ne- this next Monday, a week from today? Um, it is a late offer. I don't think that it'll matter um, because I think that Nebraska will fall to the top of this uh, recruitment here. Um, he really grew up as a huge Husker fan, and this is the offer that he covets. Um, it would really surprise me if he does not end up picking Nebraska. Um, but a couple other schools have tried to make it interesting, mainly I think Kansas State. I think Kansas State has been the team that's been recruiting him the hardest, the longest maybe. Um, Iowa got a lot of attention, but I think the Kansas State uh, or the Iowa offer got a lot of attention. But I think Kansas State has been a real player here. Um, but I can't imagine him not picking Nebraska at this point. But we'll see. I haven't talked to him yet uh, since he got the offer because he was in school when he announced it. I can't imagine the kind of day he's had around school being a local guy that just picked up a Nebraska offer. If James Carney were to commit to Nebraska next week, it would be the third tight end in the class for the Huskers. And I remember whenever A.J. Rollins committed, uh, you weren't sure whether A.J. Rollins and Thomas Fedoni could play next to each other well. Uh, obviously, that remains to be seen. But if James were to come to Nebraska, is he a guy who you can see playing alongside the likes of Thomas Fedoni and A.J. Rollins? Yeah, what's, what's interesting about that group, and it's different now that I've seen them all play in person again uh, this year, uh, I think they do compl- they would complement each other all well because it's interesting. Fedoni is kind of the rare, obviously, talent um, that can do everything and do everything well. I think that A.J. Rollins um, is a little bit 
better of a blocker than he is a receiver, but he's not a bad receiver. And I think that Carney at this point is a little bit better receiver than he is blocker because he is still getting used um, to having the extra strength based on the muscle that he's put on, and he's just faster than A.J. Rollins is, right? Um, And so it's an interesting mix, and they all have different strengths. Um, And then Fedoni, of course, is cut above everyone in the country as far as the tight end goes. But I do think that they can complement each other well, and it would be interesting to see because um, they'll obviously, if Cardi was to commit next week, all three of these guys will obviously be all linked as we go through their Husker careers is where people are kind of looking to see how they're doing in relation to each other and kind of clamoring to see when they'll be able to get on the field. Yeah, speaking of when they're going to be able to get on the field, it seems to be uh, just uh, assumed that Thomas Fedoni is the most college football ready of the three. Uh, but when do you see these guys getting onto the field? Will Thomas Fedoni be on the field his freshman year like a lot of Husker fans expect? Yes, I, I think that it, it's hard-pressed to imagine um, Fedoni not seeing the field his freshman year, and in part because he he will already present matchup night matchup problems um, for linebackers when he gets to college right away, and he doesn't need like a ton of additional strength to be able to do that. Not that he's like a small guy or a weak guy by any means, but you always need additional strength when you make that jump from high school to college, right? Um, And so, yeah, I think that they'll find a way to be creative with him to get him onto the field his freshman year. I don't know if he'll – I don't think that um, he'll be starting um, his freshman year because he's going to have to jump over some guys, especially depending on what happens uh, with some of the guys that could return, like a Jack Stoll. You just never know what happens there. Uh, But I definitely think that he'll play as a true freshman. Uh, What about James Carney? How college-ready do you think he is? I think he'll take some time. I think that he'll be kind of more along the normal timeline of a recruit where you'll, you'll put him in the lab with Zach Duvall a little bit longer um, and kind of see how that goes. Um, he'll continue to add strength and size, but I think that one of the things to me, for me that, about Carney that stands out is I don't think that you'll be concerned that he's going to be working at it. Like when I, when I said the thing about him, you know, working to improve that 40-yard dash, working to get more strength and add muscle, um, that indicates a really strong work ethic work ethic for a kid um, and I think that he'll definitely bring that to college and that'll be something that'll be an asset uh, that will definitely make him get better as time goes on. Talking with Greg Smith recruiting insider for Hale Varsity Magazine and Greg Huskers extended another offer this weekend Uh, it's to three-star outside linebacker Jared Boddy I I think I'm pronouncing that correctly do you have any insight on him I know he's got some uh, some offers from other Big Ten schools already Uh, Huskers joining the likes of Purdue Indiana Minnesota Uh, so what's your what's your read on Jared Boddy yeah, he's a, he's a kid from out east that has, like you said, got some Big Ten offers already. Early kid, a 2022 kid. Um, he's also a two-sport athlete. He plays pretty high-level basketball as well, so that'll be curious to see if he picks up any basketball offers as well. Um, but he's, he's another one of those kind of athletic, long, lean outside linebacker types that they're trying to continue to bring into the program. If you can start developing a pipeline of those types of players, um, you can find yourself in a good position. It's just developing them and getting them on the field uh, to really get that going. Greg, any other Husker offers uh, that were extended recently that you think are intriguing and maybe the Huskers could be at the top of the list? Um, No, I mean, I think that we've got some of the 2022 offers 
um, have gone out recently have been kind of interesting, like the one to Jared Body. Um, but I think that as far as new offers go, no. I think that right now what, what the big focus has been on has been finishing out this 21 class. Um, obviously, the Carney thing was, was a big deal to see when he would get his offer um, and then waiting to see what some of these defensive players do. But I think that right now we're kind of – they're trying to kind of settle that board for 2022 because there's a lot of talented players out there in that class as well. The Nebraska has been recruited for quite some time, and it kind of starts locally and then kind of fans out from there. You mentioned the Huskers finishing up that 2021 class. Uh, what guys or what positions are the Husker coaches targeting hard uh, as we get into this Husker football season where you got to assume recruiting has got to take a little bit of a backseat for the coaches? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with, with, with the season starting, something's going to have to be the catalyst to kind of finish off this class, right? Like, I, I've been writing a lot recently that, you know, there's only a handful of spots left. I think for the most part, um, they're going to all be defensive spots. Um, so when you talk about what they're focusing on, they're looking at a, another linebacker or two, at least a couple defensive linemen, um, maybe a defensive back. And so they really want to focus in on finishing out strong defensively. But I wonder, without having visits and being able to get guys on, on campus during these games, if it would help if, if Nebraska could get out to a strong start or at least have a, a good showing in the beginning of the season so that they can show these kids, hey, we've been telling you that this is what we can do and that we're improving as a, as a program, but this is what, what is actually showing on the field. I think that would be hugely impactful. Now, Greg, really fast, I know you're not a specialist on Husker basketball, but the Husker basketball team did pick up a commitment last weekend uh, from – he's on the all-name team, and his name's slipping my mind. I know I got it written down somewhere. Uh, do you know that off the top of your head? Wilhelm Breidenbach. There it is. Uh, Wilhelm Breidenbach committed, and the Huskers also got good news uh, today for Trey McGowans uh, as he gets an instant waiver uh, from the NCAA. And as I said, I know you're not a Husker basketball expert, but do you have any thoughts on those two? Yeah, I think it's, I think the Wilhelm uh, is really interesting because he feels like a big guy that fits perfectly in the Fred Hoiberg system. Um, also, it might be the it was either he's either the number one or number two highest rated um, commit for the Huskers ever, um, which is always nice uh, when you start to see that. Because I feel like Fred Hoiberg will continue to break that record over and over again if things go well here in Lincoln. Um, and then it's huge to get Trey McGowan's to be able to be an instant transfer and get instant eligibility coming out of Pitt um, because anytime you add a projected starter or a potential projected starter um, to be eligible immediately. That does nothing but pay dividends. That lineup is going to look a lot different uh, coming up this season for, for Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska basketball. They should be a lot more competitive in the Big Ten this year. Greg, I, I hear sirens in the background behind you. Are, are, are you okay? I am okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't hear sirens. I, I, you hear it, and I don't, and I'm looking around, but... Nah, hopefully we're okay over here. Maybe we had some interference. All right. But, Greg, before we let you go, got about 90 seconds. Your Lakers dropped a game, and I'm going to give you said a sweep last Friday, but your first prediction was Lakers <laughs> in five. Would you like to take back the sweep prediction and go back to your original prediction of Lakers in five? Well, I mean, they're, they both still stand. We've got them both out there. I'm going to take, take the technicality and say that both predictions are still on the table. Um, I, the Lakers and five, though, was my official prediction, so I'm going to stick with that, which would mean that I'm celebrating, what, on Friday uh, instead of Tuesday because they take a weird extra day off in between uh, games four and five. Um, but the Heat were not just going to roll over um, and let the Lakers have the title. You had to know that the team led by Jimmy Buckets was going to have some heart out there. So good on them, but, you know, they're still going to lose. The Lakers are going to be hoisting the title here soon. 
So you're you're not at all concerned by the Heat's performance last night? I mean, that Jimmy Butler performance was pretty incredible. Oh, it was definitely incredible. Like, I get hats off to him. But if he can repeat that three more times to lead them to three more victories, um, then he's vaulting up the all-time list of great players in the NBA. I don't think that's happening. And we're not going to have another game where Anthony Davis is in foul trouble the whole game either. All right, Greg. Well, enjoy watching your Lakers and enjoy keeping your nose to the uh, the grindstone in recruiting. Appreciate all your efforts. Have a lovely rest of your week. And uh, as I said, good luck to your Lakers, man. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Have a good week. You as well. We'll get caught up uh, probably later this week. Sounds good. Sounds good. That was Greg Smith, recruiting insider for Hale Varsity Magazine. Always good to get his thoughts as it was a big day for Norris product uh, in three-star tight end James Carney. Greg thinks that the Huskers may have vaulted themselves into the lead in James Carney's recruitment with this uh, this late offer. And one of the things that's curious to me is with James saying, I want to commit next week, I wonder if that put pressure on the Husker coaches to say, hey, we need to get this offer out now. This kid's going to commit. He's going to commit elsewhere. If we don't get an offer in, uh, he could go elsewhere. That, that, that's the thought I've been having today. We'll continue a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio next as we talk a little bit of Monday Night Football. Again, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Helping you get through your Monday, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal running the ship solo today. Uh... I'm not really able to answer your calls. I'm so sorry if you're calling in right now. I am trying to host the show and produce at the same time, which I, I think I'm doing pretty well, if I do say so myself. Uh, but that leaves me unable to answer phone calls. If you want to give me a call during the break uh, to give your thoughts, that yeah, you can do 402-466-3776-1800-825-5865. You can also reach me on Twitter at Herbal Essences. That's where uh, you should get in contact with me today. Uh, if you have any insight you want to provide for the show, uh, I'd love to respond to you on there. Maybe I'll answer your question on the show. We're now getting towards the tail end of this Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Lots of football to talk tonight, but for one second, I want to get back into this Trey McGowan's news as Fred Hoiberg has released a statement uh, relating to McGowan's eligibility waiver that he received from the NCAA. Here is that statement. We are excited that Trey received a waiver from the NCAA, and we want to thank the work of our compliance staff in helping him become eligible for this season. Trey has the experience and skill set to be a difference maker for us this year. Again, McGowan's transferred in from Pitt last year where he was a two-year starter. He's a former top 100 recruit from uh, the Hargrave Military Academy in Virginia. In his freshman season, he started 32 games for the Pitt Panthers, averaging almost 12 points per game on top of three rebounds and almost two assists per game, and he was the ACC Freshman of the Week twice. He has now joined the Husker basketball roster, and it's assumed that he is going to be an instant difference maker for this Husker team this year. He is now one of four Huskers uh, who have Division One experience at other schools who will be uh, beginning their Husker careers this com- upcoming year. Uh, those other three are Kobe Webster, Teddy Allen, and uh, Lat Mayan. 
uh, who made waves a few weeks ago after it was released that he made something ridiculous like 88 out of 100 uh, three-pointers in a three-point shooting uh, test, essentially, that the Husker coaching staff put on for uh, the Husker team this year. Uh, they're also joined by Delano Benton, Shamil Stevenson, and Derek Walker, all of whom have Division One experience and had to sit out last season. There was just big waves about Shamil Stevenson as he uh, was denied a waiver by the NCAA last year. So he was part of the, the bad luck that the Huskers have had with waivers in recent years. Uh, Shamil Stevenson will be playing this year for the Huskers. And now Huskers get some good uh, NCAA waiver news as Trey McGowan's has been declared eligible. Not all that surprising just with all the news uh, about COVID this year and just how weird a year it's been. Uh, not all that surprising that he gets the waiver, but nonetheless, that is some great news for the Husker basketball team. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to have kickoff between the Chiefs and the Patriots. That one is on CBS here in Lincoln before we talk some Monday night football just a reminder that here in ESPN Lincoln we're doing the ESPN pigskin payout right now it's your chance to win a thousand dollars given away daily for people who hear the code word here on ESPN Lincoln and uh, enter it in on the ESPN Lincoln website this is brought to you by Russ's Market here in Lincoln the word for this five o'clock hour is field goal f-i-e-l-d space g-o-a-l it's two words technically but phrase i think counts field goal is your word for the five o'clock hour for your chance to win a thousand dollars again you go and enter that in on the espn lincoln website let's get into some monday night football though as the chiefs are looking to remain perfect as they take on the patriots tonight and I mean, the Chiefs were a seven-point favorite entering this one. That line has only ballooned now with news that Cam Newton uh, will not be playing due to COVID as he is forced to sit out. But good news around the Patriots is that no other players or staff within the team tested positive and they are able uh, to get this game done. And I was mentioning last week on the show how awesome an idea of a Monday night football doubleheader would be. I meant it more as we just get rid of Thursday night football completely and we make two games on Monday night. One featuring a West Coast team, uh, that would be the later game. So the West Coast teams uh, obviously would be able to, to see those games. Not as ideal for the East Coast, but then you can get an East Coast team uh, hosting the Monday night game. That would be earlier, probably a 6.30 Central time kickoff. It'd be 7.30 uh, Eastern time. And I just think that's a great idea. We're going to get to see how it's going to work out tonight as the Chiefs in that high-powered, dare I say, unstoppable Offense go take on a uh, a test from a Patriots defense, which admittedly has not been as good this year. Uh, if you remember last year, they were the top defense in uh, points expected per play, which is just a metric which uh, evaluates overall defensive success. They were number one in the league last year. This year they have slipped down to number 10. But this is a Patriots defense which has experience playing against the Chiefs in I mean, the most important games, the AFC Championship game, I remember from a few years ago, uh, in which they were able to come back on the Chiefs at the end uh, in advance as Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski won their last uh, Super Bowl as uh, members of the New England Patriots together that season. And and in that game, they did a great job bracketing Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I don't think they're going to be able to do that again tonight because that Chiefs offense is more dynamic than it was two seasons ago. And that Chiefs offense was great two years ago, but after that performance last season against the Ra- or last week against the Ravens, 
I just don't think that there's anybody in the NFL with a defense that can stand up to the Chiefs. And I'm probably going to eat my own words here. It's a long regular season. But when you, when you look at the upcoming weeks for the Chiefs, they got the Patriots tonight, which without Cam Newton, I don't know how that Patriots offense is going to be able to do enough to keep up with the Chiefs, especially because Sony Michelle has been downgraded to out for tonight's game. That means great things for Husker product Rex Burkhead. It does not mean great things for the Patriots offense. Brian Hoyer will be their starting quarterback for the game tonight. And, and the Patriots, before assigning Cam Newton, had great confidence in Brian Hoyer. But let's not kid ourselves. Brian Hoyer is not Cam Newton. So I just don't see the Patriots being able to do enough to stop that Chiefs team. I, I got the Chiefs winning tonight 34-14. to 14. Offense is too good, and that Patriots uh, offense I don't think is going to be able to do enough without their starting quarterback. But then you start looking up in, into the upcoming weeks for the Chiefs. you got the Raiders next week, who have been better this year, but the Chiefs on paper, still a much better team. you got the Bills, who maybe have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Chiefs, with Josh Allen. That, that's that's going to be a good test. That's the Thursday night football game. Uh, you're going to be able to hear that here on ESPN Lincoln on October 15th. Chiefs-Bills should be a good one, but after that, I think the Chiefs have a good chance to run the table because they have the Broncos, the Jets, the Panthers, and the Raiders again in those four weeks after that. If they're undefeated through those games, I have them as favorites in all the remaining games of the season against the Buccaneers, the Broncos again, the Dolphins, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Chargers. On paper, the Chiefs are better than every single one of those teams. I just don't know who can stop the Chiefs this year. We'll see if the Patriots can do it tonight. Again, kickoff set for 6.05 on CBS. The other Monday night game... Uh, in my book, could be a shootout. It's between the Packers and the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons' defensive struggles this year have been well-documented, especially against stopping the run, and the Packers have been the best team in the NFL at running the football so far in this young NFL season. They're missing Devontae Adams. They're missing Alan Lazard. The question is going to be, who is Aaron Rodgers going to throw the ball to? But with Aaron Rodgers, I never want to bet against him, and with that strong rushing attack, the, the question is, is, Again, can the Falcons keep up? And Matt Ryan's been great. Calvin Ridley's been one of the best receivers in the NFL this year, and Julio Jones is always awesome. Their running attack has looked a little bit better with Todd Gurley, but it, again, comes down to being able to keep up because the, the weak spot of the Falcons is their defense. I expect high scoring in that Monday night game at 7.50. That one can be heard here on ESPN Lincoln, and I'm personally more looking forward to that game. Should be a closer game. I still think the Packers get it done. Uh, but maybe a shootout in that one. It's, it's a high total set by Vegas at 54 points. We'll wrap up a Friday edition of Hail Varsity Radio after this. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Finishing up a Friday here on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt as Chris spending some time with his family. He'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, but until then, I'll be filling in Damon Barr back in tomorrow. If you're a local listener here on ESPN Lincoln. You just heard the 6 o'clock hours word for the ESPN Lincoln pigskin pail. Giving you a little bit of a head start there. 5 o'clock hours word is field goal. And for 6 o'clock, you just heard the pigskin payout uh, word is fullback. You can go enter fullback on ESPNLincoln.com beginning at 6 p.m. for your chance to win $1,000.
Before we go, I got to remind you about our friends over at West Blue Realty. If you're looking to make a move in 2020, you got to give the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty a call today. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities, and they will help make your next move a smooth one. For a limited time only, you can mention Hale Varsity, and West Blue Realty will provide you with up to $1,000 upon the closing of your next home purchase. And if you're looking to sell agricultural land, well, they do that too. You're in luck. They have an experienced auctioneer and can handle anything from live auctions, sealed bids, and general land listings. They've sold land in and around Lancaster County, so they can handle a large radius. They can get your land sold. Remember, you got to call Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider to get more details. If you want to go down and visit them, they're located at 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in downtown Lincoln. Or you can also visit their website, westbluerealty.com. Again, if you're looking to make a move in 2020, you got to ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? And remember, it pays to work with West Blue. Over the weekend, uh, we had the sad news that Omaha sports legend Bob Gibson passed away after a fight with colon cancer. And uh, we talked about him at length on the uh, the Saturday morning show. But just now, I read this hilarious story about Bob Gibson that tells you a little bit about the type of competitor he is. Uh, we'll wrap up the show with this. And that's that uh, Bob Gibson, in his last appearance in the major leagues, uh, came in as a, uh, a, uh, a relief pitcher. And uh, in the ninth inning, he allowed a pinch hit grand slam to Chicago Cubs first baseman Pete LeCock. That ended up being uh, the last home run he ever gave up, and that was his last appearance as a member of the Cardinals. When those two faced off a decade later at an old-timers game, this was just after Gibson had, uh, had been inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, Pete LeCock only faced one pitch from Bob Gibson. And that's not because he hit a home run off him. That's because... Uh, Bob Gibson threw at him and uh, hit him and let him take first base. That just shows you what kind of competitor Bob Gibson was. And that was just awful news to hear as probably the greatest uh, sports figure in the history of Nebraska passed away this weekend just after Gail Sayers, who also has a great argument for that same spot, passed away uh, uh, late last week. That was sad news report this weekend, but man, great memories of Bob Gibson uh, as just... The guy put Omaha, Nebraska on a map back in the 60s uh, just as his dominant performances and uh, also remember Bob Gibson. That's all we got for a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We'll be back tomorrow as Damon Barr is back in producing. Uh, Going to try to track down Jacob Padilla, get some thoughts on this Trey McGowan's news. Uh, all that coming up tomorrow. We're going to review some Monday Night Football as well. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. I'll be back in tomorrow. Chris is back Wednesday. We'll talk to you then.